believe in me. You never know. The deathless love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Every morning they are anew. Great is thy faithfulness. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. We've brought nothing into the world, we take nothing out. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Good morning. Can I give you all a very warm welcome to St. David's Church as we meet together to give thanks to God for the life of John Millard. I'd like to begin by offering to Ruth and Suzanne and Christopher and Jonathan and all the family our deepest sympathy today. John's death came as no surprise. He had no fears about it. He'd been prepared very well for it. And he went trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ that he'd known and served for so many years. But his passing inevitably does leave a huge hole. We've only had the privilege of knowing John and Ruth as part of our congregation here at St. David's over the last few months. But in that short time they've made a great impression on us. And we will always very fondly remember John as a man of terrific grace and gentleness, spiritual integrity and depth. And of course we rejoice that he has gone to be with Christ, which is in one sense far better. But at the same time our thoughts and prayers are very much with the family today and will be over the coming days and weeks. So as we begin, we meet in the name of Jesus Christ, who died and was raised to the glory of God the Father. Grace and mercy be with you. We have come here today to remember before God our brother John Millard, to give thanks for his life, to commend him to God, our merciful Redeemer and Judge, to commit his body to be buried, and to comfort one another in our grief. So as we remain standing, let us pray. God of all consolation, your Son Jesus Christ was moved to tears at the grave of Lazarus, his friend. Look with compassion on your children in their loss, Give to troubled hearts the light of hope and strengthen in each of us the gift of faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, I hope you've all got a copy of the service order as we remain standing. Let's join together in our opening hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
We're going to turn to pray for a moment or two, so please sit or kneel as you prefer. Let us pray. As children of a loving Heavenly Father, let us ask His forgiveness, for He is gentle and full of compassion. So shall we join in these words of confession together as we pray. God of mercy, we acknowledge that we are all sinners. We turn from the wrong that we have thought and said and done and are mindful of all that we have failed to do. For the sake of Jesus, who died for us, forgive us all that is past, and help us to live each day in the light of Christ our Lord. Amen. So may God our Father forgive us our sins, and bring us to the eternal joy of his kingdom, where dust and ashes have no dominion. Amen. So merciful Father, Hear our prayers and comfort us. Renew our trust in your Son, whom you have raised from the dead. Strengthen our faith that all who have died in the love of Christ will share in his resurrection, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Will you please remain seated then, and Chris will bring us the first of our readings. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much indeed. Well, you'll see that our next reading is one that we join in together. So if you'd like to remain seated for it, but we're going to join in saying the wonderful words of Psalm 101, 21 together. Psalm 
I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where is my help to come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not suffer your foot to stumble. He who watches over you will not sleep. Behold, he who keeps watch over Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand, so that the sun shall not strike you by day, neither the moon by night. The Lord shall keep you from all evil. It is he who shall keep your soul. The Lord shall keep watch over your going out and your coming in from this time forth forevermore. Suzanne will bring our next reading and then Jonathan will bring his tribute to his father. Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, comfort us with your love. Renew us with your hope. Speak to us through your word and give us your joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On behalf of my uh, mother and sister and brother and our families, thank you very much for coming today. I know some of you have travelled a long way. Uh, to be here and to be with us, and we appreciate that very much. Today we gather with hearts that are full, full of gratitude for the life of John Millard, yet full also with great sadness at losing someone who we love so much. But we gather too with a sense of hopefulness, comforted by the conviction that death is not the end, and that as we trust God, we can have joy even in the midst of profound sadness. Lord of all hopefulness, Lord of all joy, whose trust ever childlike no cares can destroy, be there at our waking and give us, we pray, your bliss in our hearts, Lord, at the break of the day. The break of Dad's first day was Sunday, November the 3rd, 1929. He was born at home in Bedford into a very modest home. And by the time he started primary school, he and his younger brother and sister 
were living in a small three-bed uh, mid-terraced house in Barking. It was the 1930s and the Great Recession took its toll. Dad's father lost his job and though there was very little money coming into the house, somehow they never went hungry. John's father gave piano lessons to supplement their meagre income. But Dad remembered those years as being happy times, for he was loved by his parents who prayed for and provided for their children each day, and together they enjoyed a simple lifestyle. There was plenty that could have destroyed Dad's childlike trust in God, but nothing did. Not then, not later, not ever. When the Second World War broke out in 1939, John started school at Southeast Technical College in Dagenham. He was there throughout the war years, though, as you might imagine, he didn't get to spend very much time in class. Most of the school had been evacuated, and the few pupils that remained spent much of their time in air raid shelters playing chess. Lord of all eagerness, Lord of all faith. Lord of all eagerness. Well, Dad was certainly eager when he got behind the wheel of a car. Um, so just in case anyone should think that he could do no wrong, he did get a couple of, what shall I call them, um, certificates from Her Majesty's Constabulary. Um, Remarkably, these were the only two occasions uh, when he was caught driving, shall we say, a tad faster than the posted speed limit. And both of those uh, certificates, I might add, he got only after he turned 80, when frankly, he'd slowed down quite a bit. Lord of all faith. Some of my earliest memories of my dad are of seeing him and mum kneeling at the side of their bed, as they did every day praying for the family, praying for the day ahead, praying for those in the youth fellowship, for the needy, for missionaries, for the lives of so many that had touched their hearts and to whom they had sought to show God's love. All who knew my father knew he was a man of great faith. His faith informed his whole life. He was not one to hit you over the head with a Bible, but neither was he embarrassed or afraid to share his faith which he did in word and in deed. He would share his faith with the down and outs in the centre of Manchester when he gave his time through the ministry of the Manchester City Mission. He shared his faith on the streets of Cochabamba and in remote villages in Bolivia after he retired. Indeed, he went to Bolivia on four separate occasions using his professional skills alongside the love of his Lord and his love for others. But in all honesty, Dad's whole life was a living, walking billboard for his faith in Jesus, the one who alone is the way and the truth and the life, as we heard in our Gospel reading this morning, whose hands were skilled at the plane and the lathe, be there at our labours. And that second verse of this hymn that we'll sing in a moment references our Lord's work as a carpenter and includes the prayer for the Lord to be with us in our labours. Dad's faith certainly informed his working life. His first job, which he started right out of school when he was 16, was as an office junior, which I think sounds a little grander than it probably was. Basically, he ran errands and made the tea, for which he was paid the princely sum of 10 bob a week, which 
for any here too young to remember uh, the old money, that's about 50p. He did get his train fare uh, of £1.30 on top of that, but however you count it, even when adjusted for inflation, that's not very much. But Dad worked hard, and he took some professional exams. He'd loved technical drawing and maths when he was at school, and he set his sights on becoming a quantitative surveyor, which he did. And in 1961, Dad was moved up to Manchester to open an office there. And in 1965, he had the opportunity to buy his share in that business, which he then renamed Markham Millard and Partners. Though he did pretty well financially, motivation for work was never money. In 1966, Dad's faith and concern for the poor led him to start the Northern Counties Housing Association, a non-profit organization that was set up to help those get their first home, those who would never otherwise be able to get on the housing ladder. Indeed, it was one of the first social housing projects of its kind in England. And by 2002, long after Dad had retired and before its merger with the Guinness Trust, Northern Counties owned or managed some 22,000 homes in the northwest of England. In all of his time, working with northern counties, Dad took not one penny for himself. Indeed, over the years, Dad and Mum have been an example of thankful and joyful generosity with their time, with their talents, with their love, with their money. And give us, we pray, your strength in our hearts, Lord, at the noon of the day. Dad was a man of uh, the utmost integrity. He was an example and an inspiration to so many people. One of the joys of the last several days has been to read the cards and emails from so many folks whose lives Dad had influenced. That was true in his work life. It was true in his church life. It was true in, in all of his life. Dad was a man of great character and consistency. The man you saw at church or on the building site, in the office or in the pulpit, was the same man that we knew and loved at home. It's great to see at least some, a few of the uh, young people. Well, I say young, you're probably in or approaching your 50s now, but you were young, we were young, when Dad and Mum uh, ran and hosted the Altrincham Baptist Church Youth Fellowship in our home in Reading's Road. And, and uh, thank you for those that have come. The strength of the Lord in Dad's heart was conveyed to many hundreds of young people over his whole life. Lord of all kindliness, Lord of all grace, your hands swift to welcome, your arms to embrace. Dad was a man of extraordinary kindness, grace and encouragement, and he gave great hugs. Actually, Jill and my girls were remembering and commenting on that just last weekend, and it was good to hear similar remembrances from some of the other grandchildren uh, as well. Many of the family and, and some, some others who are here today uh, gathered in June to celebrate and bless the marriage of Emily and Rylan. And as we remembered with such joy on that day when Grandpa read one of the lessons, marriage is designed by God to be a symbol of Christ and his love for his bride, the church. And Dad certainly took that mystery to heart and modelled it for all to see. His love for Mum and his daily example of grace and hospitality to so many 
from every background and walk of life is another powerful testimony of how he lived out his faith. One of the recurring themes from the many cards, notes and messages we've received speak time and time again of, God, of, of Dad's kindness and grace. You know, grace is such a, a pregnant and poignant word. We, we may use it to describe a person who is a real gentleman. We may speak of such a one as being a very gracious man. Well, Dad was certainly that. But in its fullest sense, grace speaks to us of the love of God. A love that God lavishes upon us. A love that loves not merely those who are lovely or lovable, but that reaches out to all. Longing to restore and to forgive and to welcome, that is the sheer prodigality of God's love for the world. A love that he offers to all, but forces on no one. And I thank God for the way Dad modeled that kind of grace and love to us. Dad was a meek man. You know, I, I can't recall uh, Dad uh, ever shouting at me. Now, if you suppose that that was because I never did anything that merited being yelled at, you obviously don't know me very well. But when I misbehaved or displayed great selfishness, Dad was not weak. Don't confuse those two words, meek and weak. He was not a soft touch. And though he didn't shout at me, he would absolutely challenge me. I'll never forget when I was 17, uh, and as uh, most 17-year-olds didn't take too kindly to being challenged, uh, anyway, I was coming in very, very late one night, uh, in the early hours, having kept mum and dad up worrying about my whereabouts, uh, not least, no doubt, as I had inherited some of dad's uh, eagerness uh, behind the wheel that we referenced earlier. Um, I thought I'd done a pretty good job of uh, getting up Riddings Road in complete silence. You have to turn the car off on the second bend, coast in. You have to navigate the squeaky garage door. Um, takes a while to get the key in, and then you have to know where all the creaky stairs are. Well, I did all of that. Uh, just going past uh, Mum and Dad's bedroom on the home stretch, I could see my bedroom door right ahead. And then I heard a voice. It was Dad. Jonathan, what time is it? What a great question. <laughs> we all knew perfectly well what time it was. And so for us today, in the, in the face of death, we are challenged to use aright the time that is left to us. What time is it? Well, it's time for us to turn, whether for the first time or the umpteenth time, to Christ. Time for us to follow the one who is the way and the truth and the life. When someone we love dies, it gives us pause for thought and reflection. What time is it in your life? We don't know whether our days are few or many. In the church's calendar, we are in the season of Advent, which is a time for waiting and preparing a time for questioning afresh where we stand with God. Yes, it's a busy season and sure we're preparing to celebrate Christ's first coming at Christmas. But more than that, Advent is a time to wait and prepare for Christ's coming again. 
I wonder, can you sing as John sang, be there at our homing, and give us, we pray, your love in our hearts, Lord, at the eve of the day. And so we come to the last verse of, of, of this hymn. Lord of all gentleness, Lord of all calm, whose voice is contentment, whose presence is balm. John was a, a gentle and a calm man, a great, a great person to have around in a crisis. He was a terrific listener. He knew contentment and he knew the presence and balm of his Lord. He was a very wise man who cared so much about others. You know, even in his dying, Dad was being a presence of healing and balm to others. Last week in the hospital, Dad was drifting in and out of consciousness. Mum and Christopher and Suzanne were at his bedside throughout. The last thing they heard from his lips were his prayers. On several occasions he began to talk and he was praying. Praying that the Lord would watch over them for today and for tomorrow. And the final prayer, on Thursday I think it was, was for the grandchildren. The last time I saw Dad was about seven weeks ago. I was with him at the hospital one morning, just around the time he received the diagnosis that he may only have a few weeks to live, which indeed turned out to be correct. Before I arrived, he'd been reading Psalm 121, the psalm that we read this morning, a psalm that speaks of God's goodness, watching over us, not letting us slip or stumble. And Dad said to me, you know, Jonathan, you read a psalm like that as a young man and you take it on trust. You, you believe that it's true. He said, but reading it now, as I look back on my life, I know it's true. Be there at our sleeping and give us, we pray, your peace in our hearts, Lord, at the end of the day. Dad came to the end of his days with us in the early hours of Friday morning last week. It was, in many ways, a mercy and a relief that Dad did not linger any longer. Last week was very difficult. The pancreatic cancer diagnosed not so long ago had spread extensively and rapidly. And the last few days were particularly exhausting for Dad, and I know for you, Mum and Suzanne and Christopher, as you watched and waited with him. We are sad. We have cried, and no doubt we will shed many more tears in the coming days and weeks and months ahead. Last week, we lost a terrific fellow. We lost a great friend, mentor, colleague, preacher, teacher, a man of extraordinary wisdom, kindness, generosity and love. We lost a brother, Uncle John, Grandpa, Dad, and you, Mum, lost the one of whom you said when he died, my one and only sweetheart. As you rightly put it, from age 19 to 78 is a long time, and saying goodbye to John after a lifetime of love is so very hard. But the love and witness that you both shared is a testimony to us all. Thank you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Dad 
fought the good fight. He finished the race. He kept the faith. Therefore, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Though we cry today, there is a day coming for all who have put their trust in God and a day that is already here for Dad. A day when there will be no more tears, no more crying, no more mourning, for God is making all things new. Our hope as Christians is not that Dad is merely at rest, nor that he may be singing in some celestial choir, though he is a pretty good singer, so I certainly wouldn't rule out that possibility. But rather, that one day, with all who believe, he will be raised to eternal life with a bodily resurrection, and we will see him again. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. I close with this. Two of the granddaughters were video chatting last Wednesday. Emily in Toronto uh, was talking to Juliet in Pittsburgh. And I do have their permission to tell you this. Uh, they'd been sharing how sad they were about Grandpa because we all knew that the end was very close. But then Juliet pointed out that really they should be excited for Grandpa and she said this, it's like Grandpa, get excited for God. But it's totally like God, get excited for Grandpa because he's so amazing. And you know what? I think she was right on both counts. What I'd love to know is, what do you suppose Grandpa and Jesus said to each other? I think our Lord may well have said, well done, good and faithful servant. And Dad, well, I don't know what he'd have said. I suspect maybe nothing. I think he would simply have knelt down as he had knelt down every day before his Lord and his Saviour. But after that, I think, with a twinkle in the eyes of both, there would have been one terrific hug. Thanks be to God for the life and love and witness of John Millard. Amen. Jonathan, very, very much indeed. Well, why don't we sing that hymn then together, Lord of all hopefulness. <clears throat>
We're going to turn to pray for a moment or two, so please do sit or kneel as you prefer. God of mercy, Lord of life, you have made each one of us in your image to reflect something of your truth and light. And so we give you great thanks today for John's life, for all the grace and mercy he received from you, for all that was good in his life, for the memories of him that we treasure today and will continue to do over the coming weeks, for his gentleness, for his faith, for his kindness, for his meekness, for his grace, his warmth, his love. We give you thanks, Lord, for all these things and many, many more. As we pray, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, you promised eternal life to all those who believe. So we ask that you remember for good this, your servant John, as we also remember him. And we pray that you would bring all who rest in Christ into the fullness of your kingdom, where sins have been forgiven and where death is no more. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, your mighty power brings joy out of grief and life out of death. And so we pray that you would indeed look in mercy on Ruth, Suzanne and Edward, Rachel and Chris, Kirstin Allison, on Christopher and Susan, Emily and Ryland and Thomas, and Jonathan and Jill, Jack, Juliet and Jane, and on Norman, indeed together with all who mourn. And we pray that you give them patient faith in times of darkness and strengthen them with the knowledge of your love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, you are tender towards your children and your mercy is over all your works. And so we pray that you would give us the wisdom and grace to use aright the time that is left to us here on earth, to turn to Christ and to follow in his steps in the way that leads to everlasting life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, entrusting into your hands all that you have made and rejoicing in our communion with all your faithful people, we make our prayers through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen. So let us then pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us to pray, as we say together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So let us commend John to the mercy of God, our Maker, and our Redeemer. God, our Creator and Redeemer, by your power Christ conquered death and entered into glory. Confident of his victory in claiming his promises, 
we entrust John to your mercy. In the name of Jesus our Lord, who died and is alive and reigns with you, now and forever. Amen. So may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you and with all those you love this day and always. Amen. Well, in a moment, we're going to sing together our final hymn, but before we do so, just a, a couple of things to say. Uh, the service will conclude up at the cemetery, and I know the family would like to welcome anyone who'd like to join them up there. You're more than welcome to do so. Um, but afterwards, there will be refreshments at the Manor House, and I know they'd be very happy if you'd like to join them for that, if you wish. And the second thing is to say that at the end of the service, there'll be a retiring collection of plates on either side of the door as you go out. This will be given to the work of Tear Fund. So any gifts you give will ensure they get passed on as soon as possible. So shall we turn to our final hymn? It's a wonderful hymn which speaks again of the wonderful hope of the resurrection in Christ alone. Shall we stand to sing? Mm-hmm.